We would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land in which we record this podcast today, the Arakwal people of the Bunjalong Nation, and pay our respects to Elders past and present. Hello, yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums to be, and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported, and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Hello, Jade. Hello, Sophie and everybody listening. Aren't we all lucky this week? I know, you've heard us four times in two weeks. Poor things. We're either efficient or we need to... um, (laughs) Settle down. Do a little bit more with our lives (laughs) (laughs) and stop just recording. But we are back, baby, four times in a fortnight, two bonus episodes. Don't get used to it. We will not be bringing out a bonus episode every week. (laughs) No, we will not. But we are currently, it is early in the morning, we are recording, we're both in dressing gowns. I had a really terrible sleep. I had a mouse under my bed. I had dogs all over me. No, Harry wasn't in the bed. He was actually (laughs) in the girl's bed. And I, yeah, I'm tired, but I'm here and I've done my vocals, haven't I? I warmed up this morning. I went, ah, and that's as far as we went. I'm going to try not to be that mum of a baby and roll my eyes when you tell me that you're tired. Yeah, I know. We can both be tired. Whether you have kids or Thank don't you. have kids, mothers do not own tired. Yeah. But I bet I'm more tired than you. <laughs> oh, I know. I remember that. I actually remember that and go, oh, like you just would cringe when people complained about their sleep and you'd be like, oh, that's nice. Yeah. Look, no, last night wasn't too bad, all right? It wasn't too bad. How I only often? woke up four or so <laughs> times, but, um, you know, no, she was good. She just does that thing like even when she gives you some good stints at the first half of the night from three o'clock onwards, she's just like up and down a lot. Yeah. She's a real snuffler. Mm. She gets a blocked nose every morning from like three o'clock onwards. So it makes it hard with the dummy. We've got the heater on because we're worried it might be because she's cold. I mean, look. If you're cold here, girl, build some resilience (laughs) because we're off to Canberra today, which I will talk about. So if you're cold where we live, you are not going to survive in Canberra. We've got the diffuser thing going. We're trying to get on top of this snuffly nose. I'm wondering if it's because we've got a fabric bed head and bed base that I don't vacuum. I'm like, maybe she's got allergies. Anyway, we're working through it. She's basically had a snotty nose more days than not since she's been born. It may just be because she's the third child, but I'm starting to, you know, try and work my way through it because I'm like, she can't just be snuffly for the rest of her life. Maybe she's one of those like adenoid kids. Maybe this will be the kid that has Mm. to get their adenoids taken out. I don't know. When can you do that? I doubt I can do that yet. So anyway, I was spiraling, but yeah, that's how my night was. But speaking of Canberra, I'm so excited. I don't know if I've been to Canberra since like year six camp. We are going with Visit Canberra and Jetstar. So it's for work, which is super exciting. Any travel that can be for work is so, so exciting. But I am so scared about how cold it's going to be. The messages I've been getting about it'll be not high of nine degrees feels like negative one during the day. But babe, and you're from Melbourne. Yeah, but I acclimatized. So the first winter I was on the Gold Coast, yeah. I looked at all these people with turtlenecks and scarves <laughs> and I did this smug scoff like, <laughs> I'm wearing a T-shirt. Why would you ever need a turtleneck, darling? I'm from Melbourne. Second winter, bought a scarf, bought a turtleneck. I've never looked back. You acclimatize so, so quickly. I don't. I am repping T-shirts left, right and centre. Yeah, like, but you, you're you like, you're forever menopausal. I you, you, you were like Nick. You run God so, so me. hot. Anyway, so very excited. I don't think the kids are going to know what hit them. Who knows what will happen with Pearl's nose when we're in a proper winter, but <laughs> super excited to go 
go. If you are a Canberra mama, we're doing very kid-friendly activities. So maybe I'll see you guys out and about at Questacon and all the other places. I thought you were going to offer a mama meetup. So I'm like, hang on, I'm not going with you. <laughs> you can't do oh, that. I would love to, but our itinerary is jam packed. Mm. But if I see you out and about, please say hi. And what about you? Anything new happening since we spoke two days ago? <laughs> well, that, I'm actually excited for you because I've never been to Canberra and I don't know much about Canberra and I'm going to follow through you and see what, what you do and what comes up. So that's exciting. I have been busy. I went and looked for wedding guest dresses and mm. surprisingly that is a hard task for someone that never wears a dress. Like I'm not mm. a person that really wears a dress unless it's got long sleeves. Could you not wear like a suit situation? Mm, I could, but I just, I've done the suit before. And mm. anyway, long story short, I found the dress. It's fabulous. It's black. I can wear it again. I told Harry so many scenarios of why it was worth it. And then I told myself and I was like, no, this is a great decision. So I've got the dress. That was great. Other than that, there was a mouse in my fucking bedroom last night. It's time to burn the house down. Look, oh, I know, I know no, that's an expensive style. decision. No, well, I don't want to be resilient. <laughs> no, you don't. But I, like, oh, gosh, ma- imagine me when I'm like, I don't know, 70. Nothing is going to make me go, oh, I'll just be like covered in snakes and bats and <laughs> spiders and mice. Instead of being the crazy cat lady, you're going to be like the crazy mouse and snake. I thought the whole benefit of having snakes on your property was that you didn't have to deal with mice. Why are you dealing with both? Yeah, but isn't that good to know that I last night was like, well, at least there's no snakes in my room. That's how I thought. Uh, Okay. What has been happening with you since I last spoke to you two days ago? Go. Well, it isn't necessarily the last two days, but I've gone public with the fact oh, that she's gone public. Pearl is on solids. I hard launched it. <laughs> um, I had actually been holding back on it because I just, when I share about sleep, mm. unless I explicitly say I'm not looking for opinions or advice, I get a lot of opinions and advice, and I just wasn't ready to get opinions and advice on solids. She is quite young to be starting solids. You know, she's not quite five months. She's definitely my youngest of the three to have started solids. And I just know there's a lot of strong opinions out there about when babies are ready for solids. But Nick and I, it's our third. We felt very confident. She honestly came out of the womb hungry, basically ready for solids. She is just, she's five months going on 15. And honestly, last night we had the most bittersweet moment. We were at a pub because it has a playground. I've become that person. Mm, Smart. You know, we were there before 5 p.m. We were at a pub with a playground. We were not there because of the quality of the food. And I was like, this is what life has become. Mm -hmm. Anyway, gladly. And we were sitting there. She was propped up ever so slightly. Like she just had a little blanket behind her in the high chair. So cute. Mungin on some eye fillet steak. And I was just, it was so sweet. I was so proud of her. She was loving it. But it was the most bittersweet moment because I just thought, how the hell are we here? Yeah. How she was born yesterday, wasn't she? Yeah. Wasn't it just yesterday I was whinging about pregnancy? Like how are we here? And I just think I I would never downplay because I I know that feeling when you're waiting for kids to hit milestones. So I'll never downplay how grateful I am that she's kind of doing them early. But I'm also like, come on, you're my last baby. Why are you doing these things ahead of time because she's a big gal oh, she is a big gal and she just wants to keep up with the rest and anyway so I'll, I'll share more about our solids journey I feel like I finally have efficient puree prep down pat so I'll be sharing more of that I guess on my page I'm not going to come on every episode and tell you yeah, we fuck. had pumpkin puree no please do we had carrot puree but we're doing a bit of a mix of puree and baby weaning and I'm actually really excited this time. So that's what's been happening in my world. Well, on the topic of that, 
I used to do the exact same thing. Yumi was four months old and she could barely sit up, but she was so showing signs of wanting to feed. Like she wanted more. Her eyes were looking at everything. Anyway, we started and she loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. And yeah, it was just, I don't know. I feel like if you have some signs and your baby's hungry and you feel like, you know, between that time you want to give it a go, give it a go. I mean, every baby's so different. We waited till closer to six months with the other two and they had way more of that tongue thrust reflex yeah. of like not wanting the spoon to go in. Pearl had none of that. She was like, give me more. Yeah, like she, me knew, more, mama. she knew how to eat. Yeah. Um, okay, so I've got a mum hack. It came mm. in this morning and it is brilliant. I think about this every day. I put Yumi's shoes on. You think about it every day and it came in this morning. Yeah. <laughs> I think about the issue every day and this mum has cured the issue with a mum hack. Okay. Every day, one day. <laughs> okay. So one day every day there was this lady that came in with a mum hack. This is it. Shut up, Sophie. This is it. So you have a pair of shoes for your toddler. And they put them on the wrong feet all the time. You get a favourite sticker and you cut mm. it in half and you pop it in the left and the right foot so when it joins together, it actually meets into the whole sticker so they know which yeah. foot goes in which shoe. Is that also bittersweet though when they start putting their shoes on the No, nah, not at four. Like, <laughs> Am I at an emotional yeah, you are. point where I'm realising this is my last baby and I've got my period right now. I am not sad about that. I am stoked about that. I know, but it... Kids look when Goldie puts her Crocs on the wrong feet and she looks like she's about to like oh, so split cute. herself in half and walk <laughs> around in circles. It does look really cute. But I do love that hack. So you get a sticker, you cut it in half, you put it on either side, and when they wear them on the right feet, mm-hmm. it makes the full picture. And love if you it. if you get really sad, I can always get really drunk and wear my shoes on the wrong feet. <laughs> and then you Perfect. can have that. Thank back. you. Okay, let's get into today's episode. Yeah, this was a great one. It actually <laughs> caught me by surprise how much fun this was to talk about. It's not a serious chat. Mm. It's about living away from families. So we chatted with Erin, who is the founder of Le Puree, and we'll chat more about what that brand is during the episode. But Erin moved country. We spoke about how Jade moved state after Mia was born. I moved state before any of my kids were born. And we just often get questions about what's it like living away from family. And, you know, I want to have a sea change, but is it worth it if I lose my support network? And we just kind of chat through what our personal experiences have been. Obviously, everyone's experience would be different, but Mm. It was just kind of fun to reflect on and think about, I don't know if you agree, like just think about, yeah, there's definite cons, but there's also pros too. And it was just a nice look back on on doing parenthood without your parents living near you. Yeah, I agree. And I like the perspective that we had three women talking about completely different situations. Like we spoke about how we chose babysitters or carers. We spoke about how we made mama mates and where we went to get those, get those mama mates. Get those, pick them up, <laughs> aisle five. <laughs> aisle five. Chuck another mum in the basket. <laughs> I wish it was that easy. But um, overall, it was a really fun chat and we hope you enjoy. Hello, Erin. Thank you so much for joining us on Beyond the Bump today. Before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your new little family member that is strapped to your chest right now? Yes. My name is Erin Jerrys. I'm the founder of Lay Puree, which some of you may have heard of before. I have three girls, Amelia, Aria, and now a new member to our family, Leo. He's one month old. And we're in, yeah, we're in the thick of it right now. <laughs> and when you say you've got three girls, <laughs> you mean you've got three children. <laughs> three children. There you go. That's mom brain at its finest. I love it. I love it. It Jay, makes us all feel normal. Jay just looked at me like, did I just hear that? Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> yes, if I uh, miss any words today or mispronounce anything, it's just sleep deprivation mixed with uh <laughs> you are excused here that's for sure you're in an understood space that is for sure now tell us how has it been going with three it's good I was um 
thinking today, like the initial excitement, especially with my older girls, it was, you know, bringing a baby home to my daughters. They were just so excited. My toddler, Aria, she's two. She didn't really understand, but she loves playing with her baby dolls. So it was like a real life doll bringing home. But now being a month in, you start to see like how stretched you become. And, you know, (laughs) when they're all going off at once, you're like, where am I supposed to be? You know? Absolutely. (laughs) We're just trying to keep everyone, you know, alive at this point. (laughs) And how old is your eldest? She's four and a half. And how's she been? She's really good. Like, she's very helpful. I try to keep her as involved as possible. But, you know, just as any four-year-old, like, they have their good days and then their not-so-great days. So we still get tantrums and things like that that happen. And you want to just make sure you're giving everyone adequate attention. So yeah, she's very good. She's probably has taken on like more of the mother role (laughs) with him, which is really nice. And then my toddler, you know, Aria, she's very similar in that way. But you could tell like, if you walk away for a minute, you have to watch her because she might just run over him or or jump on him or hit him in the head. So it's, uh, yeah. Quite a lot. No, three under five sounds very similar situation to what we had. And my eldest definitely (laughs) took on that mothering role. But there were times that I had to say to her, don't let it stress you out. Like she's not your responsibility. She's my responsibility, not yours. And sometimes I would actually have to pair back the asking her to help me out things because I would think, oh, she doesn't realize that she can come and go in this role as she pleases. I'm the one (laughs) that has no choice. And then my middle child, Goldie, she is utterly obsessed with Pearl, but she's more the type that if I pick Pearl up for a feed, sometimes she'll be like, oh, no, I want to hug now. Nah, I'm a bit jealous. So it does sound very, very similar. And normal. Yeah, it's definitely wild. Now we are chatting today. I'm sure people can tell that you have a little bit of an accent. And we're going to be chatting today a little bit about living away from your family. Jade and I have both had stints and we'll get into it where we've lived away from our families. And I think, I think with COVID, especially in Australia, a lot of people were all of a sudden doing sea changes or reconsidering kind of where they'd always lived and whether that was where they wanted to continue to live. And it's a question we get asked a lot. What are the pros? What are the cons? What are the things you don't realize about living away from your family? How do you get help? So we're going to delve into it all today. But before we get into it, can you tell us a bit about where you're from and what led you to Australia? Yes. So um, as you can tell, I'm American. I grew up in Long Island in New York pretty much my whole life up until I was about 26. And then I met my husband who happens to be Australian and then we moved to Florida for a little bit. So that was my first big step, like moving away from my family. And then when we were in Florida, we got married and then I became pregnant. And then my husband said his job offered him a position back in Sydney while I was pregnant. So it it was a bit of a shock, but it was just one of those situations where I said, okay, well, we definitely had the hunger for adventure. It wasn't really the best timing, I would say, but um, yeah, it was something that we were willing to do and willing to try for the opportunity that he had. So I bit the bullet and did it. <laughs> I feel like at that stage, it's ignorance is bliss anyway. 100%. You don't actually you no know idea. what parenthood's going to be like. So. Yeah. so what was it like? Were you pregnant when you arrived in Sydney? No. So I was actually, I was pregnant in Florida and then my husband had to leave a bit earlier to start the position. So luckily my brother still lived in Florida. So I just moved in with him and I was was pretty heavily pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) You know, luckily he's really laid back. The neighbors were kind of like, who is, you're living with your sister. She's (laughs) pregnant. Like, where's your partner? (laughs) Yeah, it was was interesting, but honestly it was really great because I knew I had someone at, at least in Florida that was a family member. Um, who understood me and having a sister being hormonal and going through all that. He was very, very chilled, which was, which was great. And then I didn't feel comfortable giving birth in Florida. So I said, I'm to my partner, I'm going to move back to New York and have the baby. And then at least I'll have that support within the first two months. Cause I knew mm-hmm. we were going to leave when she was about eight weeks old. So I wanted my parents to be there. I'm very, very close with my family. I'm one of five siblings. So yeah, it was important for me to introduce. And it was the first grandchild. Oh yeah, you needed to be there. Yeah, I wanted to be there 
And honestly, it was the best because although my husband was like, do I have to move with your parents now? <laughs> I wouldn't have wanted anything different because they were there, brought my home, my daughter back to their house. I had so much support, which I think we all know, like you, you don't know until you know when you have a baby, how much support you need. And that was really great. But then, yeah, it was also, I also had in the back of my head in eight weeks, we're going to be leaving and I'm going to be going to a new country with my in-laws who at the time I've, I've only spent, you know, a few weeks with them because we never lived in Australia. So I knew I had a lot of change coming. I didn't know what to expect, but um, yeah, it was, it was a crazy time. Part of you goes, I want to soak up this support. And then the other half is probably like, I need to get yeah. used to doing this on my own. So exactly. which, which way do you go? I think it was just really hard. I, I definitely soaked up as much as I could because I, I still wanted to see my friends. I feel like you know, I relied on my mom a lot. I probably went out a little bit earlier. Like I just want to do all these things before I leave. Cause you want to see people, you want to be around people. Yeah. And then I knew it was time, but I was moving in with my in-laws as well. So I knew I was going to have the support. It was just going to be very different. And so was your partner there for the birth? Yes. Yeah, so he came back about a month before and yeah, so we had the last month of my pregnancy, you know, living at my parents' house. And then yeah, eight weeks later we ended up, we moved. And how was living with your in-laws from both sides? Because you obviously both had a, had a chance to do that. Was it yeah. overwhelming? Obviously, having a child, it would have been really helpful. But at the same time, you didn't really know your in-laws. So it's hard I'm as an sure adult living with any other adult. Totally. It's hard yeah. living with your partner, let <laughs> yeah. alone in-laws. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. It was a crazy time, I think. And you don't sometimes realize how hormonal you are until you look back and you're like, oh, I felt so bad for my parents living with me because I'm a very big doer. I like to keep busy. And I had a lot of time before I had my daughter that I just wanted to keep busy. So I like renovated part of their house. I'm like, let's do this and let's do that. <laughs> okay, that's and I extreme. went through my nesting period there. I'm like, I want to organize all of your covers. <laughs> this is a mess. So yeah, it was quite interesting. And then I knew moving in with my in-laws, my in-laws are Middle Eastern and they just have a totally different view on how to raise children and how to even be postpartum. Like, you know, my mother-in-law says 40 days at home, which I didn't know if that was quite who I was, you know? So I knew I was walking into something very different, but I also knew that they were going to do whatever it took to make me feel really comfortable. But yeah, I think naturally, you know, there was arguments at night where my husband would come home and I'd be like, oh my gosh, you know, this is what (laughs) happened today. Or I just need space. Or I I got really homesick too. So in this time before you had your first child, were you already good at boundaries or is this something that you had to learn? No, I'm, I'm still not good at boundaries. I think that's probably one of my biggest challenges because I don't want to call myself a people pleaser, but I don't, I like to just keep it status quo. I'm not mm-hmm. confrontational. So, you know, if I was given advice, like I'd probably take it from my mother-in-law, even if I didn't agree with it at the time and even my own mom. So I think, yeah, it, it was hard to set boundaries, but I tried to do things that I knew would be good for me. So I knew like I wanted to go for a walk every day. So I just left. And I think that was really good to do that. And just, yeah, having some of that private space is important. And they were respectful of that. I mean, we were, I'm sure it wasn't that comfortable for them either, you know, having us come in with a newborn, like it's, it was so new for them. They hadn't had a newborn in their home for a really long time. So yeah. Did your partner have to have any conversations? Like you don't have to go into personal details, but I think, no, I, do. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> now go <laughs> spill the tea. <laughs> we'll make it anonymous. Um, <laughs> We'll change the title. Who are you? Because I think that sometimes differing opinions or values with your in-laws can be fine if your partner also has insight into that. But if they don't see it, I feel like that is when sometimes it can be really, really difficult to overcome or deal with. Yeah, I think the hardest part is that when we moved here, he was expected to go back into the office straight away. So I was the one there every morning, all day, you know, in, I don't want to say my in-laws home, like, yes, they're family, but I was getting to know this family and he worked pretty long hours. So it was really just me there. And, you know, I think there was definitely things that were said and done that were just so not 
how I was raised or how even we were alone in our as like our own family unit before Mm. we moved in with other people. So there was definitely a lot of things that I would say, I don't want to raise my kids this way, or Mm. this is something that I don't really want to do, or I I don't think is the right way to be doing this. And I think he would definitely tell his, I would say, don't say anything, because I didn't want to create any Mm uncomfortability while I was there, but I know he would, (laughs) or he would point it out if he knew something would bother me while we were all there, like, you know, with my perspective, he's very easy. And I think people face those challenges, no matter what, whether it's living with their parents or with their in-laws, the older generation just parented so differently. It was very, so different. eat all your dinner and then you can have dessert, have five more scoops or you know, even we did an episode the other week on raising girls that love themselves. You know, it's very, you're so beautiful, boys are so strong, all of that kind of stuff that no matter culturally values whatever, it's just different. So different. 100%. So how do we make friends? Because it sounds easier than what it is. And we found obviously moving states, we've got different scenarios and situations of how we met mama mates. But how did you find meeting friends just moving into a whole new country and not knowing really any stage of life? Yeah. I think it's really challenging, especially because this is such a particular season of life when you have kids. It's so different when you're just meeting up with friends or even coworkers you know, that are single or they don't have other responsibilities at home. So for me, it was a challenge, but I'm a bit of an extrovert. I really count on my friends a lot back home. And even when I lived in Florida, like we made sure we made a good network of friends. So that's something that was important to me when we moved here, but it definitely wasn't easy. And I, this is probably just my own opinion, but I feel like for women, sometimes it's harder than for men to just make friends that you connect on different levels. So for me, I try to just really enroll my daughter in a lot of activities where I knew mothers would be in the same group. I tried the mother's group, which I think is a great way to meet other other women in the same situation as you in timing. But I started a bit late. So I feel like everyone made their connections a lot earlier and they already had their little group set up. So um, yeah, I think swim school, I remember I used to take my daughter and I made some friends through there. Luckily, my sister-in-law was here. So I met her and her friends, but I'm going to, I'm not going to lie. It was really challenging in the beginning and it still is because everyone gets so busy. And I feel like the more kids you have, it does get busier, but it is important to really nurture those relationships when you meet somebody that you, you do get on with. I think mothers, it's a, it's a real challenge as a mother, a first time mother to find a relationship because the first time I uh, gave birth and I went to a mother's group, I met this group of women that I couldn't be more opposite to. People were saying that their babies were sleeping through. They were saying all this random stuff that I was like, okay, I do not feel like supported. I feel really awkward. And I went away going, I don't think I'm going to have mum friends. Like that's just what it is. And then I realized moving into state that there, what you were saying before, there are so many different groups. There's swim groups, there's library groups, there's toy play. And that's when you start to realize that you don't have to just go to a mother's group and go, okay, no one's here. I'm not going to have friends. There is just Mm. so many different people that you will find if it's not at the first mother's group. And I think it is difficult because it's such an important time to have friends who can relate to you. But then at the same time, it's such a vulnerable time to be making friends because you're wanting to talk to people about, you know, in the postpartum phase, it can be lack of identity. It can be, I don't know what my style is anymore. I don't fit into any of my clothes. It can be, I'm having troubles in my relationship. It can be, you know, I'm really struggling with sleep deprivation. These are really personal things to talk about. So to say, oh, here's this person you've (laughs) never met before. Talk about things you might not be able to talk to some of your closest friends. Yeah. How are your nipples going? (laughs) That's, that's really challenging. No, I I 100% agree. And especially if you're the type of person who it takes a little bit more time to open up in that way, it's even more challenging. 
And we have an entire episode actually on making friends as a mum that we can link in the show notes. And we have a Facebook group that helps connect people in different locations too. So we can link that as well. And I feel like in that episode, I said something that's slightly controversial, but I think when you're first making mum friends, you actually just need to lower the bar. You don't have to have all the same interests, all the same Mm. values. You just need some people in your life who are going through similar things with you. And then through them, you may meet other people. I just think it's not like your lifelong friends that it has to be, oh, we have to share all these interests and want to travel to the same places and both like ballet and both, you know, it, it can just be someone that really the only thing you share is that you had kids around the same time yes. and maybe you're going into parenting wanting the same outcomes. I agree. And sometimes it's just like I brought up swim before I made a friend through swim and we would just go for a walk after swim. It wasn't something that we were texting all the time or meeting up for drinks or going out with our partners. Like sometimes you just need someone to chat with for an hour or two, like after a swim or just, just to connect with other parents. It doesn't have to be like this best friends for life type of thing, just to have that connection. So, so how did you make friends when you had Poppy? So in terms of moving location, we'll start there. I moved away from home to go to uni. So I was, I grew up in Melbourne, moved to the Gold Coast to go to uni. And then when I finished uni, moved further south to Northern New South Wales. And then once I was in Northern New South Wales, I had Poppy. So I did feel like I had a bit more of an opportunity to meet people before I became a mum. Erin, I wasn't like you that I was literally moving with a newborn, which was probably good. But a lot of my friends who had kids in the area, the kids were a fair bit older. And I was just kind of like, oh, mum friends is a mum friends if they're a mum, they understand. But it wasn't until I had my first newborn that I realized, no, it's actually really important to try and make friends that are a first time mums and have similar age kids, even if it's just for, you know, just that season of life. But you realize once you move out of the newborn, how quickly you forget everything. Exactly. And so I actually, I kind of made with some people that I knew of a bit of a haphazard mother's group who were all still chat and catch up to this day and ended up kind of having second and some people third babies at a similar time. We definitely don't see each other now as much as we did then. But it was this situation where I knew someone who'd grown up near where I grew up was a similar amount pregnant as me. I messaged her on Instagram and was like, I know you're having your first baby soon. Let me know if you want to ever catch up for a coffee. And then we randomly just pulled in other women from other areas of our life who happened to, you know, be pregnant and expecting their first kids at a similar time. And yeah, I think there's about six of us who all have babies literally within about six weeks of one another. And it was really, it was really cool, but not necessarily women I knew before I got pregnant. And now I feel like that the kids are older and I've moved into this phase of having three kids. I'm back kind of closer as well with people that I was close with before. And that kind of first time mum, very new season is behind me a bit. There is something to what you're saying about you don't have to be best friends with these people, but to be friends or have conversations with women that do have kids around like the same weeks, because you do go through those milestone moments where you kind of, as a first time mum, have no idea what to expect or what's going on. So even though, you know, the friend that you might be chatting to through through the night, I remember you saying that you had like a little text going because, you know, one mum that you knew you was going to be up. So you text them. And I think that's great because it's also giving you like comfort in knowing that you're not alone. You're not the only one, you know, feeding or maybe the baby's not burping right, but you have the connection to have that conversation with someone. So you're like, okay, I'm not in this alone and we are kind of doing this together. Yeah, even if they're not awake at the exact same time, you can see, oh, they sent a message at 2 a.m. It's now 2.45. Because, you know, you can feel like on the couch at night, whether you're breast or bottle feeding, that you're the only person in the world awake. I 100% agree. So when did you move out of your in-laws house and how was that transition? So we were there for about two months. So when my daughter was four months old, my husband works in Sydney. So I knew I wanted to be closer to the city and I just wanted my own space and 
really to learn about myself and who I was going to be in Australia and really just get started living our own little family unit. And now that you've done it for almost five years, what do you feel are the pros and the cons of moving away from family? I feel like there's so many pros and cons. I think you learn so much about yourself when you're really just separated from your close network of people. You really just start to, even just living in a new country, you you listen to different people's perspectives. Sometimes I felt that if I was still probably in New York, I would have a totally different perspective on different things. And just watching how other people raise their children, like how people raise their kids in New York is very different to how people raise their kids in Australia. And I think, you know, there's benefits to both. And it's just nice that I can introduce those two different sides and perspectives to my kids. I think the hardest part, and especially for someone like me, who's very family oriented, I know that, you know, my parents miss a lot of milestones that I wish they were there for. You know, we just celebrated my daughter's second birthday yesterday, and you can't help but feel like there's a missing piece. Hmm. I think those type of experiences are tough, but luckily they were here in February. So for my daughter, other daughter's birthday. So we really try to maximize the time that they're here. And it's almost even better because we're all on a holiday and we're really just spending that quality time rather than just pick up, drop off. You know, my in-laws help us sometimes, but sometimes, you know, with the kids, it's just, it's a lot of work. You don't get that quality time together. And Jade, what was your experience of moving away from home? Because you've had a few different scenarios. You've kind of done the whole buffet. I've done the whole buffet. So I moved from Melbourne to Byron when my first child was six months old. And we did that because my husband was born and bred in Byron. And he said, look, there's no better place to raise a child than Byron. And we have a house. So (laughs) let's go back. So (laughs) we went there and I, I think I knew one or two people One friend had a child around this similar age as Mia and he was a boy and that was my only source of friendship and motherhood. And it was really, really difficult because Harry was a really young dad and as soon as he came back, it was kind of like he went surfing or he went and played soccer with the boys and I was kind of left to really work out what my life was going to be like. Like, am I going to sit here and feel a little bit lonely at home? Am I supposed to go out and seek friends? I actually asked my auntie at the time when she was up, how do I make mum friends? Like there's got to be like a app or something. (laughs) Yeah. There's got to be a podcast or a Facebook group. (laughs) But at the time there really wasn't anything in the area. And I ended up just going to these toy libraries, which I would think pre-kids, I would never (laughs) be doing that. But for your child and for someone that feels like I'm actually a real confident person, but when I was trying to make friends as a mother, I felt really quite shy and insecure because I didn't know how to introduce myself. I didn't know who was friends with who because this was an entirely new state and it was a really odd feeling to have. So anyway, I like dating again. It is. It kind (laughs) of is. But I put my, usually with dating back in my day, it was on MySpace. So I'd sort of like lead myself up on the (laughs) internet before I saw them in, you know, real life. This was a real like, okay, I'm locking eyes at that girl over there. She looks like she's got a kid around the same age. Let's see if this works. But over a few little plays and seeing the same faces, you know, over the course of a few weeks, I got the courage up to start communicating with these women. And there's a few of them that I am still friends with to this day that have similar age children. We may not see each other all the time, but we still have that connection because I think being a first time mum and meeting these people and they have such a massive part in your life, whether they are your close friends now or they were literally there for you in that time. So yeah, I think toy libraries, I think primary schools, they do a lot of play groups. Yes. They were brilliant. 
And from there, we extended it out to going, hey, do you want to go to a park and have a coffee and play date? Because we all roughly have the same nap schedule. So that worked. And it does come back to making friends with similar aged babies once again, because if that is the case, usually you can function daily and working with each other. When you have another child, it starts to get a little bit like, okay, well, I can't do 3 p.m. because that child won't do this and this. And yeah, that's just how I started to become friends with people. And what have you found the pros and cons of living away from family? So the pros to living away from family are when they come up to visit you, it is exactly like you were saying, Erin, it is so special because it is like everyone's on holiday, the excitement is there and it's there for like the full two weeks or however long they're up and everyone really gets the best out of those moments. The cons are when you are really lonely or you're really struggling or your children are unwell, your partner has to go to work and you feel like that is the time I really could have help. I I could just call my mum and say, mum, I need you to come over or I'm going to come over to you and spend the night because I'm sick of being alone while my partner's, you know, away for work. That is the con. But in a pro sense, it made me stronger and I developed and understood more of who I was as an individual and I grew from that. So look, I think there's always going to be ups and downs to every situation and I think focusing on what you can to make the best situation you know, and I guess we should say here that there's no guarantee that if you live near your family, number one, not everyone has a great relationship yeah. with their family. Not everyone is lucky enough to have one, both, any living parents. So I guess we need to say that because this would be a hard listen if you were like, I never moved anywhere and I still don't have this yeah. support. And another thing actually that stuck with me is one of my closest friends who has older kids, she said to me, and it sounds obvious, but I think it can be hard to remember is never ever have children for anyone except for yourself and your partner. She said her mum pressured her so much and she has no regrets of course having her first child and she (laughs) wanted that child too but her mum pressured her over and over again, make me a grandma, make me a grandma, make me a grandma. She had the child her mum was barely anywhere to be seen. She was suddenly in this free part of her life. She had a bit of disposable income. She was traveling. She wasn't working as much. So she's just always said to me, never make assumptions of how helpful people are going to be. And so I think life choices like the location where you live, you shouldn't make that choice based on how you assume someone else will be for you and your family. I 100% agree. I remember even before I had my daughter, my mom, you know, she always lived by family, obviously had five kids, but she always said that, you know, new motherhood is extremely isolating. So just Mm. make sure you try to connect with people, even if it's just a little bit throughout the day. And she had all of her family with her and around her all the time. I think it's just a period of time where, yeah, your schedule's all over the place and you, you might not have all that support you think you're going to have all the time as well. Yeah, and I think for us, one pro that's kind of wrapped up in a con is that the con is getting help is often more expensive mm-hmm. because often you are replacing free help with paid help. But if you can do that, it can actually be a pro because you – you don't feel indebted to family members. I have a lot of friends who live near their parents and get help from their parents and maybe their mum looks after their kids every Tuesday and then the weekend rolls around and they have somewhere they want to go but they don't have a babysitter because they've always been able to rely on their mum but they feel too bad to ask their mum to look after the kids again or they do ask her and the mum makes them feel bad (laughs) but reluctantly does it whereas it's expensive, it is, but sometimes when you pay for help, it's done. It's transactional and it's done and no one owes anyone anything. And so I do really feel like you can actually get a level of freedom because the choice is yours rather than relying on others. I think also on that topic, 
at 25 and having a young child and Harry being away a lot, it was Mm. really hard to justify being able to go out and do that. I mean, now I absolutely (laughs) book in that babysitter and get the hell out there. But at that time, we just couldn't afford it. So what was a brilliant idea is we would take in turns, our girlfriends would say, all right, we're all going to have a sleepover and the kids are going to come over. Obviously, this depends on how old your children are. But with toddlers, it was fun. The kids had fun. We got to put them to bed at like seven, okay, maybe eight when they're all together. But we got them down and we spent a few hours sipping wine, watching a movie, and we were all supporting each other. And we did that a few times. And it was just a really nice way of being able to have that freedom, but know that, you know, you're not leaving them with someone you feel uncomfortable yeah, with. And it's not costing you money. It's not costing you money. And and that really worked in that time. We'll often do something similar with our friends where it's just that message of like, want to join the chaos tonight? <laughs> and you're both, you're all doing the same shit. You yeah. may as well be Maybe doing it together. And I do feel like, I'm not saying you wouldn't do that if you had family around, but I think sometimes when you've got family around, there may be an expectation that you have dinner once or twice a week or once a fortnight or or whatever. And because we don't have that expectation, I do feel like we do dinners during the week at mates' houses more because we do have that yeah. free time. And we will go, okay, just bring the kids' jammies over. Let's feed them together, bathe them together, and then we can all go off on our merry way. And you've had that social connection while still getting through the more mundane tasks. See, I love this because now that my kids are older, I have had my parents move closer to me. So instead of being, well, they actually are in separate states, but I kind of think (laughs) this is a boundary, which is a clever boundary to put up. A geographical boundary. Yeah, it's kind of like, hey, we're not too close, so you're not knocking on our door all the time. But also, we are close enough if you ever need us. And I actually really love it because you never, you still get excited to see each other. You know that you're not just going, oh, I'm bored. I'm going to just drop my kids off and go do something. Shame. Yeah, I know it's a shame, but it's a real like happy medium. That's what we found. And I mean, I know that your parents or people's parents can't just fly and <laughs> live in another state and that's perfect. But with everything that I've gone through and the kids and, you know, just how parenting has evolved, I think for me, feeling that that they are close but not too close has been incredibly rewarding. No, I agree. That's very good. You're like, that's very good. I don't have my parents, so let's move on to <laughs> so the how, next question. So how often do you see your parents and how do you yeah. ensure that your kids still have a relationship with them? Well, I always say thank goodness for FaceTime because I don't know what I would have done if we didn't have the technology we have today. And I think especially during COVID, like when we moved here, my whole family came for my first daughter's first birthday. And then two weeks later, we went into lockdown. So yeah, and then we weren't able to see them for at least two years. So I think everyone at that point was relying on FaceTime. I didn't feel alone in that process. Yeah. I actually felt less guilty being so far away mm. because even my sisters and brothers who were not far at all, we were all on lockdown. So that was definitely something I felt more comfortable with. I just didn't feel like as guilty, let's say, living so far away. And then... Yeah, I make sure we go there at least once or twice a year. It's definitely getting more difficult. Um, We're planning (laughs) a trip there in a month and a half, which I know he'll be fine. I'm I'm used to traveling with young babies. That doesn't really scare me. My toddler scares me more (laughs) on the airplane. But um, it's definitely more of us going there. I think we have more comfort traveling long distances. I wouldn't say the same for the rest of my family, but we do try to get my parents to fly out here at least once a year as well. And do you feel pressure that if you have time off work or you're planning a holiday that it has to be there. A lot of people said, my family is so unreasonable. Anytime we are planning a trip anywhere, they make us feel guilty if it's not to where they are. I'll be honest, like any international trip, it's likely going to be to see my family. That's why whenever we go, we're going to, we try to make it a holiday for all of us where like my brothers and sisters will make it into a holiday. We don't Mm. necessarily meet somewhere else. Yeah. Like in that specific area. But this year we're going to try to meet in Hawaii and make, you know, make it feel like everyone's going on a holiday somewhere. I feel less guilty. They're happy. They see the grandkids, but they also have their own time to 
have fun. But yeah, there is definitely a sense of guilt. And it's a good time for everyone to fly, right? Like it's not so hectic for you and it's not so hectic for them. Well, exactly. I think that's just the hardest part. The flights are just so long. We live so Mm. far. But yeah, and even having young kids, I don't foresee ourselves like going to Europe or doing anything like that. Just for me, it would be way too difficult. So I think at this point in our life, it's just best to travel, you know, to see family. And does it take your kids a while to warm up to your parents or are they pretty close? Oh my gosh, no. It's so incredible because I think that was my biggest fear, especially, you know, with my eldest daughter. Like they felt so connected to her because she was born there and born into my parents' home. And I was always worried that she was just not going to have that relationship with them, which I wanted all of my kids to have, but it's incredible. She talks about them every day, all of her artwork that she draws in school. And even my toddler, they are, they're always Nana, pop up. Like it's, it's incredible how crazy it is. Like if you just instill that relationship, even through FaceTime, it's so strong. And even like when we go to New York or when my parents come here, like they run to them, like as if it were you know, my husband and I, like, it's, it's just incredible how close they feel to them, but how little they see them. I completely agree. I mean, my parents are interstate, not international. So obviously they do get to see them more frequently than twice a year. But I was so worried, especially for my second child, because she was born at the start of 2020. And so multiple times, six to nine months would go by without my parents seeing her. And I thought, oh, there's no way she's going to be as close to them as, for example, Poppy, my first is. But honestly, when my mum's here, my husband and I do not exist. Goldie is like sleepover, mm. sleepover. We, She hurts herself. She runs to her. It is amazing. And I think it honestly comes down to kids are inherently selfish. And if there are you know, people there who show them attention and show that they enjoy their company, a a bond can be made. Especially with uh, FaceTime because if you're consistently showing a similar face all the time who's literally just so happy to see that child, yeah, yeah, they're going to be wrapped. Yeah, and one tip I had is my parents bought a few of the same books that we have at home and my parents when the girls were a bit younger and when we, we, I feel like, I don't know the last time our kids were read a book now that we've had three (laughs) children, but they would read a story that we had here to them over FaceTime and we would turn the pages and just little things like that, that you would be doing if they were around one another more. Yeah, exactly. No, it's really, we FaceTimed on the way to school today and it was just, it's just so cute because they feel like they're right there with them, even though they're through the phone. I mean, the whole thought of it is complex to me. So kids probably don't realize that they're not actually there. How do you do it with time difference? I mean, usually early in the morning or later at night is when we can have our phone calls, but we usually do it in the morning, which is good because the kids, they're not, you know, cranky, (laughs) they're happy and ready to go. And my parents are super animated, so they get really excited to chat in the morning and we keep it consistent. I talk to my sisters almost every day and my nieces and nephews. So even the ones that they haven't seen, they still talk about like they know them and they see them all the time. It it is really incredible. (laughs) That's so cute. (laughs) So for those who don't have family who they can rely on, how do you find a babysitter that you can trust? So I think it was really challenging for me as well. Luckily, when I first moved here, I wasn't jumping back into work. So I knew I was going to be one-on-one with my daughter. But when I started Le Puree and the business started to grow, I I couldn't rely on my mother-in-law anymore because she was watching my other niece and nephew and I actually needed her help cooking some of the food. So (laughs) I knew I needed to be resourceful and find someone. And then when I had my daughter, she was only four months old. I I wasn't going to put her in daycare. So I needed to, I wanted someone to come to my home and someone recommended a nanny. And I don't know, my, my husband's background, they were, they were always a little bit skeptical of bringing someone that we don't know that's not family into your home but we really had no choice and Mm. it was the best decision we've ever made. Like Rachel has become a part of our family. She's helped me raise my girls. You know, it's just incredible how much 
great influence she has had in our overall family and raising them and having that experience with children and being there really just to help me raise my children. Mm. So I think anyone who's scared or anyone who can love your child and bring something to their life and their upbringing, I think is a, a really big benefit. And especially if they're not within your own, you know, immediate family, it's really nice. And how did you find her? Was that an agency or? Yes. So I heard of this agency and it's called Rock My Baby. I think they're all over Australia. And it was really nice because the woman who ran it, she really got to know me and like what our family lifestyle is, our values. And she looked for the type of person who would fit within our family. And she said, I have the perfect person and this, and this is what this person's looking for as well. And then we met twice, Rachel met with the kids and that was it. And, you know, it's been two years now How <laughs> and awesome. we, we can't imagine our life without her. <laughs> yeah. How do you go about finding a babysitter? So when I had Mia, I actually never left her unless it was with my parents when they were up. I just didn't feel the need. I didn't feel like, you know, I could I could wait to go and have a date night with Harry or I'd just sleep. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't ne- necessary. But then as you have more children, you kind of realise how much you do need to have date nights to actually, you know, come together or maybe there's some function on a wedding or whatever it is. Or maybe it's just a a night that you have had enough for the week and you want to just get out of the house. And I have got to say, when you've got young kids, there is no greater feeling than giving your children to someone at 4 p.m. and leaving the house. It is like you have left jail, you've escaped prison, and you are living on the edge. It is so rewarding. And you come home and they're all asleep, usually, and you're just like, this is the best few hours of my life. But it takes some getting used to. When you first do it, you feel like you've left a limb behind. You do. But then at the same time, once you feel comfortable Mm. with that babysitter. So the way I felt comfortable with finding someone was at the girls' daycare. Mm. I got to know the teachers and then I would say on the sly, hey, do you do babysitting? Some say yes, some say no. And I took that opportunity to get them to come over for a few hours. The girls knew who they were. They felt super comfortable, which made me feel less anxious. And we had a wonderful night and we still do that to this day. Now we rely on Yumi's daycare teachers because Yumi's the youngest, so she's got to feel the most comfortable. And yeah, we've got these set babysitters if we need them and it all comes from them knowing them somewhat. So that's how we do it. What about you? The first babysitter we had was just through word of mouth and we have used her for years and she's amazing. Unfortunately, I also recommended her to way too many of our friends, which if you've got a good babysitter, (laughs) keep them close to your chest. (laughs) So we have actually used a couple of times one of the teachers from their daycare as well. And I do think that if you're struggling to find someone through word of mouth or none of your friends use a babysitter or you and your friends want to do something at the same time so you can't all rely on the one babysitter, speaking to someone at daycare is good. But it feels, I know you said you whispered it, it feels cheeky when you first do it. And I actually had to say to the director of the daycare, I said, am I allowed to, you almost feel like you're cheating or something. I said, am I allowed to ask her if she babysits and they said of course you can and I was like oh okay just making sure yeah you gotta just check you don't know you're doing the wrong thing with your first being the first grandchild did you suffer or did anyone put any guilt on you for taking the children away from them yeah luckily my parents have always been really supportive of I mean even though in essence I took their first grandchild away And I think my mom was pretty emotional about it. She didn't think she would be as emotional just because I brought her into their home. But yeah, I think they they knew that if they came in with that guilt or giving me that guilt, it it would only hurt me. So never have they ever said like, come back, you know, they'll, they'll drop a few things. <laughs> uh, like it's less expensive to live over here or something like that. And then I think my sister is more so just because they want us to raise, you know, the nieces and nephews together, but it is challenging, but you have to do what's best for yourself. Because I always say, even when I go back, like everyone's living their own life. And if they have kids or don't have kids, like you're not going to be with them all the time. Yeah. So, yeah. 
it really, you really have to do what's best for you and your family and wherever you live, it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. So you just have to do what's best for you. Yeah, that's so true. I think you can feel like you're missing out on so much and there can be things you miss out on, but then you see one another. And if it's someone close enough to you, whether that be a friend or a family member, you pick up where you left off and suddenly you realize, oh, we're all just kind of doing the same thing, but in different <laughs> locations. Like no one's really missing that much. No one's doing anything extra. <laughs> exactly. You do. I found like every time we, we came back to like before we lived in Byron, we'd come back and he'd be like, oh, everyone's still surfing and doing the same old thing. I'm like, see, stop getting FOMO. Yeah. No, it is very true. Even when I see my friends when I go back, they're like the only time we really get together and do something crazy is is for the re- this reason, for when you come back <laughs> and it, it just gives us a reason to all get together. <laughs> Do you ever regret the decision? No, I think, I mean, in the early days, I'm not going to lie. It was really tough. And I think anyone going through any monumental change in their life, it's going to be difficult. But if you dig deep and find something that's going to, like, you have to be positive. I mean, if I didn't move here, I would have never started my own business that Mm. has changed my life and our family's life and so many other moms' lives. I would have never had a different perspective or feel confident moving anywhere or just being by myself or raising my kids by myself. Like I built a lot of confidence around that and traveling, like, you know, jumping on an airplane with my kids doesn't, you know, for some parents, it would be really scary. And I think if I was still in New York, it would be hard for me to go an hour flight, but now you just build so much resilience within yourself. And I think you, you can't set those boundaries for yourself and you can always go back home. Like I always have it in my mind. Like, yeah, if it really was a challenge. Like I could sit with my partner and say this, I can't do this or I need to go home. And I always knew that was an option. You know, nothing is ever just black and white. You can always pivot. (laughs) Do you think you will ever go back home? You know, I'm never going to say never because I feel like we've made a, a lot of big changes in our lives between my partner and I that, you know, if there was a big opportunity there, we would probably try it. Yeah. I'm the type of person I used to be a a lot more fearful of things, but I really do think things line up the way they're supposed to in a way. So yeah, if there was an opportunity, I would try it. I so agree with what you said about it building confidence. I think that that's probably the number one pro is that living away from family has built my confidence in myself as a parent and in Nick and I as a team, because we really don't have anyone else to rely on, which I know could go either way, negatively or positively, but you almost don't have that external influence on how you should be doing things. You just do it the way you do it because that's the only way there is to do it. And that's kind of the end of the story. And you have to fake it till you make it and have confidence in that. No, I 100% agree. It's it's really you, you pave the own way of how you want to live your life and raise your kids. And there's always going to be some outside influence, but I don't think as much if you have other family and friends extremely heavily involved. And you touched on your business a little bit. Can you tell us a bit about that and what led to you starting that and how you juggle that? Yes, I think um, it was funny when I first moved here, I was ready to get back into work because I think we all go through that well, maybe not everyone, but that identity crisis. What do I really want to do with my life? Where do I want to spend my time? I had a young daughter and I was I was going to go back to my old corporate career. And I just, I went on the interview and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. This is just not what's giving yeah. me joy and really the area I want to spend time away from my daughter. So my mother-in-law used to make all of my baby food fresh because I was sleep deprived and I really wanted to give her fresh baby food, which was incredible. And I said, this would be such a great business. Like there's so many moms out there. And I think that six month mark where you're starting solids, you're sleep deprived, you're trying to get, you know, you're either breastfeeding or weaning or there's just so much going on at that milestone. And I thought this would be a great business concept. And I think moving away from my country, not having anyone else or anything really to do besides raise my daughter. It was a great opportunity and it helped me shift my focus towards being completely different and something that I was really passionate about. And I think that actually made my transition into this country the easiest because I had something else other than thinking about purpose. I miss yeah. my family. Like I miss, you know, cause I think as you both know, having a business, starting a business, it, it takes a lot of your time and focus on something else. And yeah, that's what really helped 
helped me. So yeah, we started Lay Puree, baby food delivery service, fresh food. And we worked with a lot of dietitians and pediatricians along the way. And I think I made a lot of connections and relationships through my business, which was a great opportunity for me to find like-minded people. And it it, it took my mind away from just feeling like I was living in a new country as a mom. It, It made me feel empowered being, you know, a businesswoman. And for people who don't know about your brand, it's frozen so it can be put in the freezer and you can pull it out whenever you need a fresh meal, correct? Yes. So we make all of our purees fresh every week. We have about 30 different recipes and we make them in little frozen cubes. So you just pop them out, microwave them or put them on the stove and they're ready to feed your baby. They're well balanced. And then because so many parents love that convenience, and I think we just get busier and busier even as the kids yeah. get older, a lot of the, our customers were asking us and our parents were saying, we need toddler meals or something easy that I can grab in the freezer on those busy days. So we extended our meals into our toddler range and finger foods. So yeah, it's really grown and grown with me. And you know, having more kids, you realize how much more convenience you need as the kids get older. And that's kind of how the business has evolved. Unreal. It's so true with solids. For me, every time I've hit that six month mark and gone, oh, this is constant. <laughs> yeah. Like you just go, oh, this is constant. And then on top of that, let's head in another job of feeding you food. Exactly. And you just think, I can't take on anything else right now. So your family's been growing, your business has been growing. What are your top tips in being able to juggle all of that? Do you juggle it all? How do you um, do it? Honestly, it really, I play it minute by minute. Like some hours <laughs> I really feel like I can't handle it all. And then sometimes you feel like you're really killing it. I think outsource as much as you can, when you can, and if you can afford to. Don't spend your your good energy on things that you don't love to do if you don't need to be doing it. And I think that just comes with everything, growing your family, growing your business. It's, it's all very similar. And if you just do things that really fill your cup up, you're just a better parent. You're, you're a better business person. It really just kind of goes through all the themes of your life. So outsource as much as you can and just don't be so hard on yourself. I think that's the key. I love that. And what I've learned from so many parents. How do you find time for yourself running your own business and having three children now? Because even though you love your job, I feel like we run the risk of we love what we do. So it's really easy to go, oh, our job fills up our cup. But that's not really good to have your work as your hobby, Hobby. (laughs) self-care. No, I 100% agree. And I think like we've spoken about earlier, which I think is just hard in general for a lot of people is setting those boundaries. And there are things that I remember that really was my form of self-care, like exercising. I really used to love to exercise and I always put something else ahead of exercising, Mm. no matter what it is, like the laundry Mm. behind me right now, I'm probably going to want to fold that before I go, you know, and I I know I should really be going for a walk and doing something that really makes me feel good. So I've kind of stopped worrying about the house being a mess or, you know, I really should get back to this customer at this moment but they can wait an hour. Like I need to just do something Mm. for myself. So I think carving out that time and letting the people around, you know, for me, like my husband, like I really need to go do this right now is just the best way to do it. And it it doesn't have to be like a full blown massage or something. It could just be, I need to just go for a lap around the block for an hour (laughs) or can I just have a coffee alone or just a shower alone? Like for me, I said, if I can have a 10 minute shower by myself without kids banging on the door, that would be yep. amazing. You're so much better for it. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Thank Absolutely you love so it. much for taking the time to join us today and for all you do for the mums and the dads out there through your business. Guilt-free convenience is definitely and delicious. such a positive thing. <laughs> yes. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.